That was that was bad. Most of the time it works most of the time. <laughs> that right. is also a fact. Episode two, Exosquad. Exosquad. <laughs> Episode two cast the podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to Exo Squad Episode Two: The Seeds of Deception. <laughs> <laughs> this is Exo Squad Calls, the Exo Squadcast podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy, and I'm Ryan Hardy. <laughs> every time, and I'm Chris Valentino. And you know, for a split second, I think every time that maybe he is Ryan Hardy. Maybe I've been confused these past ten years. A man can have dreams. Me too, and I'm Ryan. I am am Ryan Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> So again, this is we're talking about Exo Squad, a great children's cartoon where three grown ass men's men's <laughs> one children's cartoon, different kind of uh, website for that. Um, yeah, so this is episode two, Seeds of Deception. Last we left our intrepid heroes, they were fighting the pirates. Wolf Bronski was in trouble. So uh, yeah, so what happens, guys? Yeah, so this episode uh, picks up in the middle of this battle between the XO fleet and the pirates. And uh, there's just a, a lot of tremendous action at the beginning. And the XO squad pushes back the pirates, and the pirates end up retreating. And Takagi gets injured because he pulls some sweet moves. There's a, there's a great thing that happens there where he's like, Bronze, so it starts off Bronski's like, hey, I got this guy's on my tail. And like, Takagi saves him. And then. Takagi does these like badass moves, and then Bronski ends up saving Takagi from I guess drifting off into space to die. Yeah, he he, he goes on there, does pulls off some sweet space fighting moves and gets goes unconscious as a result, and Bronski ends up saving him. Um, and so this whole battle's going on. Charles McKenna shows up on the bridge, un- <laughs> uninvited. You know, again, all the access, but none of the invitation. Security, get Mr. McKenna off my bridge. Hey, you can't do this. I'm on live network. He's the best man. I love that guy. He gets he gets kicked off the bridge. The pirates end up retreating, and the Exo fleet recovers. But um, actually, a lot of this episode takes place on planet Earth, city of Chicago, <laughs> where we are introduced in kind of an amazing bar in the middle of the afternoon to Sean Napier, who is drinking <laughs> alone and gets into a, a bar fight, beats up a guy because he wants to watch the news. We find out that Sean Napier was kicked out of the Exo squad, the Exo fleet, because he was too hot tempered, and he's now working as a a cop in Chicago, and he is tasked with being the security detail with with his partner, who's like super ch- chummy and, and happy to be a cop. Um, and there's a big ceremony going on where Phaeton, the governor of Mars, and the mayor of Chicago are celebrating the joining of the uh, Chicago and was it Magana, Magana, the capital of Mars, are going to be sister cities. Um, to celebrate 50 years of peace between the Neo-Sapiens and the humans. But there's a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of elderly racist people at this <laughs> ceremony who are yelling down with Neo-Sapiens. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And thank you all for such a human welcome. I would... Where were you 50 years ago? 
How many humans did you kill? You can't trust Neo Sapiens! We remember what you did! Yeah, they, they like literally yell like the only good sapes a dead sape. You know, like they're it's, not it's plan yeah, it's very planet of the apes. Um, all the young people, I think, are, are cool with neo sapiens. <laughs> no, but you, get, oh. you, you, you do get the idea. So the people who are yelling at this at this event are, are much older, right? And um, they've lived through this rebellion 50 years ago and feel very strongly about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is, a, <laughs> there is a, an assassination attempt made on Phaeton, and Napier, our, our cop, saves the day but gets shot in, the, in, the, uh, in trying to save... In saving Phaeton's life. Who who could care less that someone just tried to shoot him. He, like, is stone cold. Yeah. Like. But then uh, Phaeton tries to shake his hand, and he refuses because Napier himself is anti-Neo-Sapiens, and he can, will never forget what they did, um, even though he's too young to have lived through it. <laughs> like, this is this is how bad it is on Earth. There's not even, like, a, an active term for being racist towards Neo-Sapiens. It's just kind of accepted. You know, it's yeah. like space apartheid is still going on. Um, so that's a big part of the episode. Uh, later on, we see Bronsky taking care of Takagi and, and their bond deepening. And see, they, Bronsky nurses Takagi back to health. We're lucky to have Kaz in the squad. He did some real flying out there. Saved my life. You look bushed. Come on, take a break. We'll raid the mess hall. Uh, Lieutenant, uh, I better stay here in case the punk wakes up, you know. He might need something. Sure, bud. I understand. We see that Napier, you know, he has the opportunity to, to get his badge back after he's kicked out of the police force if he shakes Phaeton's hand in public, but refuses to do so. So he's kicked off of the force for good. Is almost run down by Phaeton's car later in the episode. And then we have the, then we kind of end the episode with the Exo Squad going, chasing the pirates deep into pirate territory. <laughs> There's a great moment where... The pirates are ready to die. Sabaka's <laughs> ready to kill all the pirates in one last battle, and, and Mustachio, his number two, says, what about next time? And, they, <laughs> and, and, they and just, he sounds like he's genuinely never thought that he's like... <laughs> so Sabaka's like, if the pirate clans must die, so be it. And then the guy's like, what about... Mustachio's like, what about the next battle? And he goes, the next battle? <laughs> On our own ground. He's like, the yeah. Captain, he's like the Captain Marcus of this. Like He's, just, he's a, a, a military leader who's never learned tactics. If the pirate clans must die, so be it. Admiral, as long as there's life, there's hope for the next battle. The next battle. On our own ground. It's like, what about next time? Wait, what? Yeah, because the guy's even like, you know, when they're on our moon, we'll have an advantage. And Sabaka's like, yes, we will have a home field advantage. Like, <laughs> I thought of this myself, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Great idea, Sabaka. So, so then the, 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 the fleet chases the... Uh, chases them back to, to their moon, and Winfield wants to do a reconnaissance mission with the E-frames, and they go out and they get into a confrontation with, with one of the pirates and get called back. To all E-frames, this is Captain Marcus. Return to carriers immediately. What? So they they have found the, the pirates, but they don't really know kind of what the lay of the land is. And uh, Captain Marcus decides just to send in the Exo fleet without really knowing what traps await them. Whereas <laughs> the E-frame e pilots think, no, they should go in because they could do it, you know, 
a little bit more stealthy and cause less of a panic and do some reconnaissance. But good old Captain Marcus is just, forget about it. Let's just attack. I don't care what could be there. Nothing. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to us. Yeah. And even Sabaka's surprised. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> They're not launching the E-frames? <laughs> okay. Lord Sabaka, a large force of exocruisers and support ships is approaching. Exocruisers? Not E-frames? It looks like the main battle fleet. The fools. Yeah, especially because, like, earlier in the episode when they had, like, their skirmish, the fleet's taking a beating, and once the E-frames kind of, like, regroup and do their thing, it's like they just wreck shit. You know, it's like one E-frame takes out. Like, Deleon literally lands on a pirate, like, frigate and has enough time to be like, okay, there's the power core, (laughs) and shoot. Scanning for power source. Voila. The fusion pack. The whole thing blows up. 500 people are dead, you know. They're insanely powerful. And then Marcus is just, nope, let's just go headfirst into the, you know, the abyss. See what happens. Yeah, you have this tactical advantage, which is these little single fighters that can are maneuverable and, and powerful, but no one ever wants to use them. <laughs> <laughs> it would be too easy. What do you guys make of Sean Napier? He be, he's going to become one of our main characters, right, throughout the show. Kind of uh, not a great dude, right? Look, take it outside, pal, or I'm calling the police. Sorry. I am the police. No, he he's like the fucking worst, that guy. Like, uh, he is a total... Okay, first of all, can I just say, after he beats up that guy in the bar, he doesn't even pay, he just throws like a handful of, like, bugles onto the bar. <laughs> and it's like, call it a day. Here's some <laughs> Cheetos. Uh, these are the bar's Cheetos, sir. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, he he's like super racist, a complete dickhead, yet the show kind of puts him like, no, 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 care about this guy. You'll see why. That's a bold choice, man. So so this is one thing that I do like about Exo Squad a lot is that it does do a lot with like different people who maybe aren't all black and white and aren't really good people. Um, and like people who maybe made mistakes. Like I, I really, one of the things I really like about Exo Squad is that it really does seem to take the tack of like, Everybody ha- everybody thinks something wrong. Everyone has something they're angry about. But, like, what matters is if you move forward and, like, adjust to it. Like, Sean Napier isn't a good guy right now. But, like, as I think you can kind of see, he's eventually going to wind up kind of figuring out what was uh, – what – what what it's all about well, yeah there's you know the characters have arcs they they start somewhere and they're going to end up somewhere else you know which is great that's one of the best things about the show is that the characters change and like the events affect them not like oh six thousand people just got killed yeah <laughs> so yeah well and like you see it like with uh wolf bronski you know in the last episode when they go on to the danube to check it out he's like oh takagi that kid's the worst and by the end of this episode he's staying by his bedside, maybe faking an injury to just hang out there, make sure the kid's okay. Because he's like, he saved my life. Yeah, they definitely have a bond. This is, what, what, what do you guys think about, like, the race part of the show? Because we don't necessarily, yet anyway, haven't seen a lot of humans of color. Um, yeah, we've th- seen people who are literally colorful, uh, blue and purple and whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, th- th- there's very little representation of, like, African-American, like, anything that's, like, different than sort of uh what's the word i'm looking for the orthodoxy that's the word well you get the, the idea uh, that takagi is maybe i don't know he, maybe well, japanese, japanese last name last name torres yeah. is maybe um 
I don't know. Hispanic. Hispanic. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because, like, the the Neo Sapiens, like, uh, imagery wise, is like kind of there's a there's a they sort of function as the other in the same way, like in the X Men cartoon, like mutants function. They can work as they can work as any uh, any like othering group. But yeah, I I agree that the uh, it is it's a it's a bit uh, on the pale side as far as shows go. Would it make it more? complicated if you had more more brown humans in it it would it would make their sort of uh it would make it more solidified that humanity as a whole is kind of racist towards neo-sapiens maybe you know what i mean because like for all we know at what point do you have to be in your society when you're like let's not do this ourselves let's make a race of slaves and make them suffer for our gain and we're totally cool with that uh so it's it has weird like implications about their society it sort of just makes it feel, yeah. I mean, it's literally an old white man yelling at Phaeton to like go home and that he wants to see him dead. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's the thing. I think that is always I've always found so interesting about the show is it's is the fact that it kind of lives within these complications that Neo Sapiens are clearly they're clearly drawn as being the other as being, you know, our presentation of, you know, freed African-Americans from slavery. And yet it's, I don't know, I don't always know what to make of it, but we don't like the, you know, we're supposed to like the humans, but we don't really like the humans. I, I don't, I don't know that I have a great answer for how we're supposed to feel about it. This was something I remember even as a kid thinking about, which was like, like, the Neo-Sapiens didn't start this. Like they, they weren't the ones... Like, we, humans made them to be, like, a servant race. And they do, like you're saying, like, they definitely play a lot on this, like, classic, like, white supremacist fear of, like, African-Americans, people's of color, right? Like, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're better, um, and they, like, need to be controlled. I think that works. But to me, like, one of the best moments is when you see, uh, there's a sequence where, when Phaeton's about to give his speech, and the old white guy is yelling at him, and Phaeton's trying to be, like, cool about things, and the old white guy says, they killed my wife in the uprising. And it's like, she was 22. So that was 50 years ago. That guy's like, you know, in his 70s. And, you know, it sort of is, especially for a cartoon, a really interesting way of presenting like this guy, he has personal loss and he's sort of been poisoned, you know, in a way where it's like if people could just see pe- you know, everyone else as like people, it would not be a thing, but it's like they're sort of laying out that they're like these very heavy, like societal wounds and scars that were never addressed. And it, it leads to like this really interesting situation. Also, it kind of sets, at least I know me seeing it, and I, you know, I felt this as a kid, I was still feel this. It's like, you know, the Neo Sapiens aren't necessarily, they're, there's, they're kind of justified in their struggle. You know, they have some autonomy, but they're still under the thumb of humanity. Yeah, like one of the things that always made me feel really like a very uncomfortable scene is when um, like Phaeton is going to see Napier and like thank him for saving his life. And he's like, oh, you know, your hand, uh, your only one arm is injured. I can shake your other hand. And Napier is like, you're saving your life was my job. Like, I don't I, I, I remember what you did. And he's like totally unrepentant about just hating this guy. Like, it's yeah, it's like really intense. For like a, especially for like a kids cartoon, and it's like yeah, Napier's drinking in the middle of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's a cartoon character who's clearly haunted. You know, there's something going on with him. 
Well, especially like, you know, you have it's sort of like one of these things where, again, what the show does super well is make you feel like there's a much larger world than this slice that we're seeing. And in that moment, you have, you know, you know that Napier was in the military and he was a hothead and he won't shake Phaeton's hand. And that right there is kind of you understand why Phaeton feels the way he does. Because they never got what they wanted, you know, and all they got were for their uh, their strive for freedom was hatred from these people and uh, from humans. I mean, everyone's complicated in the show, which I think is interesting. I think that that it. I, I always come back to this, which is: should you just make something where, or should, should should these, I don't know, cartoons or movies or TV shows just be very straightforward and clear, or should there be these levels of complication that exist? And I think that's what has always been so fascinating about me about the show is that it is so morally complicated. There isn't – I don't know how to feel all the time. Um, you know, you want to be with the people, but you you kind of do understand that there may not be right all the time. And then the question becomes, when is violence justified? I mean, ostensibly, this is going to be a war show. And then at what, points, at what point does the ends justify the means? Are the Neo-Sapiens wrong for wanting to <laughs> rebel? It doesn't seem like it, but at what point is it too much or too far? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I say there's a there's a theme, and they bring it up a bunch of times of like people react of people like trying to avenge the past, and it and it never working. It never it never it it the the two like two wrongs never make a right in the world of Exo Squad, which is something I always really dug about it. No, definitely. And like, you know, one of the things that, again, with morality is, uh, I think it was Klosterman wrote an essay that was saying, you know, he's talking about his his greatest shows of all time. And it's like The Sopranos and like Breaking Bad. And I think Mad Men was in there. And one of the things was that the characters in those shows never, and I'm not necessarily equating that like Exo Squad is the greatest show of all time or anything like that. But one of the things that it does really well is this idea that the characters within it function on their own morality. It's not, you know, good, bad, and that's it. It's Phaeton does this thing because of his history in dealing with people. Napier does this thing because of his history dealing with Neo Sapiens. You know, uh, J.T. Marsh is a military man. He has his own set of like values and beliefs. And because of that, you have this like every like you said, everything kind of lives in this gray area, which is something you don't really see in uh, cartoons or even many to this day. I mean, turn on a show on NBC primetime. It's not going to be there. Yeah. No, I mean, and I'd be curious to know, like, did they intentionally draw the humans with a sort of pale complexion in order to highlight the differences? Or did they, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, because clearly, clearly they're race conscious. But I also, you know, one of the things I think about, like, retrospective analysis is that, you know, when you look at, at print advertising from the 1950s, there it was all white people because society had dictated that that's what it was. So I wonder if they were thinking like, like, oh, let's not have too many people of darker skin to really highlight the differences between white people and colored people, <laughs> which, which is which is I hate I hate that term, but it just I literally mean like blue people, uh, yeah. you know, sapiens, or or or. Were they like somehow conscious enough of race to make a show about it, but unconscious enough to not have included, you know, people of color in uh, animating the characters? Yeah, well, yeah. And there and there is there are like a couple of characters later on in the run of the show that show up, but sure. it does kind of make it. I'd like this, and it's these kind of things that makes me wonder, like, if we could try to get like a uh, tweet at or uh, try to get some of the people like William Mignot and. <laughs> I guess Jeff Siegel may not be doing stuff, or is. <laughs> I hope he's being... still standing outside a brick wall with his yeah. aviator. <laughs> which is yeah, which is the best. I am like, look up Jeff Siegel's IMDb photo. It's the greatest thing you'll ever see. 
It's so good. Literally, it's like from 1986. <laughs> just him and aviators, blonde mustache. Blonde. I think he's the inspiration for all the hair in this show, by the way. His like in that picture, he has that like little poof of hair. But uh, yeah, you know, it makes me wonder if we could like get in touch and ask these, you know, the creators like sort of what their thoughts were, you know? Can, can I say, as an aside, I, I don't love the term people of color because it implies that there's people and then there's people of color. Um, I really, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. people, I don't know, of all different skin textures. But it just, it's, in fact, I mean, that's ultimately, I think, what is, is still, in, even in the future, like the exterior differences are the things that divide people and that's why they hold grudges or that's why they hate each other. No, and there, there's a very personal level of violence going on at this point. I mean, there's like, you know, a space battle, but, you know, one thing that this show always does is, you know, before like a turret blows up, we get a shot of the guy inside the turret trying to aim and then we see his turret blow up and like, it's kind of setting this like groundwork that there's a lot of stuff going on, but these are people, you know, or Neo Sapiens, which are people too. I, whatever they're, 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 they're sent, they're sentient beings. Like they, they, they go into some stuff about like, they're not good at being creative and they're not really good at like certain kinds of thought, but in a lot of ways they're like smart. They're like better with math and they're faster and bigger and stronger. Um, and they're, they're clearly sentient, right? Like they clearly like fought for, fought for freedom and like wanted to be free and were like oppressed and like, there's this, there's, and there's this, there is this, like, really interesting, like, um, like, negotiation, right, between, like, should you, uh, try to appease people and, like, try to integrate, or, like, were they right to, like, you know, are they, uh, are you only going to be free if you, you know, fight for it, and... I think ExoSquad does an unusually good job of, like, asking that question. Yeah, it doesn't need to necessarily need to answer the question, you know. I mean, yeah. are they better living off integrated into society with the humans? Or are they better off on Mars, you know, in their own world, very different from us? I, I don't know. You know, it's it's a very complicated thing. And again, like, you know, we'll see pretty soon how Phaeton plans to do things. And let's just say it's probably not the best way. It's certainly one way, but you know, you do understand it in a way it's, it is in a way justified. I don't know. I don't know that killings ever justified, but you do what, you know, you go to a rally trying to speak towards, you know, your city and another city being sister cities and people are screaming racist insults at you. Imagine that 50 years is that. Who is your all-star for this episode? Uh, I'm I'm gonna shout out the bartender uh, for for two reasons. One <laughs> is when he uh, like because it's a kids show, they can't like really admit that it's alcohol. So he goes up to Napier and is like, uh, "What do you have? The usual?" And then Napier goes, "Yeah, with a B complex chaser. Been a lousy day. <laughs> like like it's the future. So like people just like put vitamins in their drinks." Um, yeah. And and he also like he he has like a samurai like top like a uh, back knot, but otherwise he looks like Peter Sagal from uh, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, Masculine? Oh man, um, again, I would say I mean I'm going Mustachio because again there I mean this is an episode with a ton of amazing one liners. You know, um, the you have Napier being like. You know, I, he gets hit by a car, and this punk he was going to bust for, like, graffiti. It's like, hey, dude, you okay? You, you okay, man? I I got shot, and that's the best thing that's happened to me all day. Marsh has a great thing about, 
what is it? it's like the only battle that matters is the next one he's he's like talking to nobody he's he's like yeah. watching tape of the last battle <laughs> he's yeah. giving a monologue about war like what you could have done <laughs> right what you should have done what you didn't do the only thing that matters is the next battle you can review the tapes a thousand times to see what you did what you should have done but the only battle that really counts is the next one Exactly. But I would say Mustachio, again, for that moment we were talking about where, you know, Simbaka's like, this is where we die gloriously. <laughs> and he's like, or we could go to our home and not die. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And like, just that guy continues to deliver over and over again. He's so good. The next battle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, Chris? I'm going to go with uh, Napier's partner. Who's just who's just really like uh, Napier comes out of the the building and they're like, hey, did you get your job back, buddy? And he goes, no, I quit. He goes, okay, well, see ya. Well, old buddy, did you talk to the captain? Yeah, we talked. That guy is just the happy partner, and he's he's <laughs> probably gonna die, but for th- these moments, he's just living, <laughs> living his dream life, and and nobody else is happy, but this guy's pretty happy. So yeah, he's he's living his best life. He's yeah. going to be like, oh, there's a kid in it, and just, like, explode, you know? I do love all the, the just the sheer amount of, like, red shirts in the show. Just all the other <laughs> people, you know, whatever you want to call them. All the extras and the other characters. There's a It's always great when you see, like, uh, and the pirate battle, this happens. When you see, there's, like, a woman with the puffiest hair in uh, Bronski's style of E-frame, but it's, like, mauve. Or it's like some weird off color. And, you know, it's like that character totally exists because they're just going to fly towards like one of the pirate ships and get blown up to show. It's like the, uh, you know, there's always like in the X-Men, there's always that one X-Man that's like not really important. That's his soul. You know, Wolverine was kind of this because he couldn't like get killed. His sole job was to like be like, oh, there's a new mutant and like run at that thing and get zapped to show what the mutant's power is. Yeah. So I feel like those like the other squads are kind of there to be like, well, if Abel's squad was really shitty at the jobs, this is what would happen. Um, the other the other th- the last thing I want to point out before we uh, cut loose is this begins a trope that I really enjoy, which is like because De Leon doesn't have a super defined character. Every once in a while, they'll just have him say one French word, so you remember he's French. Like when he lands, like when he lands on the ship, he's just like, "Voila, the reactor." Well, I think that's one of the things about it is that are these supposed to be like Americans, or is it, or is Dalian actually supposed to be like a Frenchman, and Takagi's supposed to be a Japanese man, and Torres is a Mexican woman? You know what I mean? Like, are they actually supposed to be? from the different countries of Earth, or are they just, like, Americans, like, eighth-generation Americans? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they kind of... I, I think they kind of imply that, like, the Earth has kind of become homogenous. Like, it's all one government. But, yeah, I mean, everyone... Also, because the same four people are voicing every single character, <laughs> they all they all sound American. We're super yeah. diverse. We've got Swedes, Norwegians, Iceland, Icelandics, yeah. English, a couple of Germans, Scottish, yeah. Germans. Like, what are you talking about? We're the most diverse community of but, Europeans of all time. Yeah, it's very. It's again, there's a vague Starship Troopers thing going on, but it's not super super overt. Yes, it is the future where you can drink a cocktail outside during the day. <laughs> It's the golden age it's for a mankind. Golden age of mankind. Golden age of mankind. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been fun. 
Um, yeah, no, for real. And you know, it's 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 cool digging into some of the like the deeper theme. I mean, it's like we're two episodes in, and already like some of these themes are just super out there. You know, so it's really interesting getting into them. You know. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to see a show that at least asks questions and and shows you some different things. Um, and you know, I think it's okay not to always know what to make of them. It'll it'll be really interesting seeing kind of like what happens going forward, especially with some of these like you know now we're setting up. Really more than before. And also, I mean, we had a narrow, another narrow postcard going back. Um, we're setting up more than before, like, the idea that there is Phaeton's machinations on Earth and what's going on with the Exofleet, where it's like, even if the link wasn't that clear, you know something weird is up. Because, like, Phaeton drops the line, like, they'll go chase the fleet just like I planned or something, you know. Soon the vermin will not dare to make fun of us. Patience, Livia, patience, all in good time. <laughs> and you're like, that doesn't seem too promising. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, it's going to be fascinating to sort of watch where it goes. You know, I kind of remember it a little bit, but I, as an adult, it'll be nice to watch it again and see where it goes and see who develops and who changes and who doesn't. I mean, I think it's an interesting um, it's an interesting idea, uh, especially now, like with the idea of othering and like. You know, people being people being angry a lot. I think it's cool, and I actually um, I remember really, really, really liking the uh, the Napier stuff. So I'm I'm pretty pumped. No, definitely. Like uh, when it gets into sort of when shit starts going down on Earth, it, his his like story is pretty pretty cool. Because uh, yeah. going back to the whole, the whole like idea of like different moralities, you know, he's a hot headed racist guy, and he's gonna end up being one of our point of view characters. You know. And then you contrast him with, again, like Marsh and people who are more controlled and more calculated in how they approach the objectives. And you're like, you know, it's interesting seeing how they, they're going to bounce off each other and be contrasted. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, the next episode we're going to cover is episode three, season one, Hidden Terrors. Again, these have the best names ever. I'd like to uh, thank Eric Calderon for our intro music and outro music. I would also like to say that we come out with a new episode every Saturday. So like, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you think you can hear us, you can hear us. If you're interested in advertising or getting in touch with us, email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com and feel free to check out our website, exosquadgoals.com. Let's say this episode was brought to you by... Two loopy ladies on Etsy. Yes. Hey, if you need something cool crocheted like a scarf or a hat or anything on demand, go to Two Loopy Ladies on Etsy. Check it out. There's fantastic stuff for uh, great prices. Check it out. Definitely. And they can be found at uh, Etsy.com slash shop slash Two Loopy Ladies. Mention ExoSquad goals for them to recognize that they know us from college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that they are secretly ashamed to know us. <laughs> hey, I, I heard about you guys at Exo Squad Goals. Uh, well, I'll still do your work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> type in type in the code EXO for extra shame. <laughs> and uh, if you have any uh, Exo Squad toys, uh, feel free to email exosquadgoals at gmail.com and uh, we uh, we will grade them for you or talk about them. <laughs> we'll, we, we will start a gallery of your exosquad toys we will judge them severely and uh, brutally i mean it, it, you're not going to feel good it's going to be no. like you're going to hurt like emotionally for a long time but yeah. it'll be worth it yeah. yeah um like sean napier says i got shot and that's the best thing that happened to me all day <laughs>
or Bronski says, I had a couple of shots, and that's the best oh, thing yeah. that happened to me all day. <laughs> oh man, I I do I do want to shout out the Bronski line of the uh, of the episode though, which is uh, when he grabs uh, Kaz and he's looking in the cockpit. He just goes, "You did it, punk! You hurt him bad!" And just is like staring at Kaz. <laughs> The guy who does Bronski has the best line readings. I just gotta say. I think he only does Bronski too. I don't know. Like it feels like that. Yeah, right? I think he he literally like everyone else has like someone else. He literally just does Bronski, and that's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Send in the fleet. Don't send in the exo frame. That would be nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why we brought these exo. We brought these exo carriers for some reason other to to carry exo frames. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just weighing us down here in outer space. He's like he's like that. Second in command of the fleet, and he's actively anti-reconnaissance. He's like, fuck it, just roll in. (laughs) You are insubordinate, Lieutenant. If we waste time on recon, the pirates may escape. (laughs) Till next time. Till next time. As always, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Harnady. And I'm also Chris Mastalone. (laughs) 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 They know who we are. Who cares who we are? (laughs) No one's going to be like, ah, did you hear Ryan was in that? And I'm Chris Ferentino. Yeah, any heroes in this company? No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. No, no uh, sir. We'll, we'll get it someday. <laughs> yeah. We'll, um, <laughs> no, there's no heroes here because we just sit in the ship and we shoot at them from a distance. Captain Marcus, you know there are no heroes here. You know exactly what you just said is wrong. He also never gets chastised for, like, killing thousands of people. Can I, can I just say, uh, the guy who does Wolf Bronski, uh, one of he has he's got a bunch of other credits for his voice, but he did the voice of of Conan the Barbarian in the Conan the Adventurer cartoon. Oh fuck nice. yeah, dude, that show rocks, <laughs> dude. Yeah, Conan the Adventurer. Yeah, he fucked up those snake people, man. That episode, that show ruled. Yeah, with the little uh, phoenix bird with the pomegranates. I remember that. Yeah, show. man. Ah, uh, that show was awesome. Yeah, dude. Uh, stay tuned so, for episode one of uh, Code of the Adventurer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when we're done with this, we're going to hit all your favorite cartoons. Yeah. It'll, it'll be Absolutely. called Conan Squad Goals. It'll just yeah, be yeah. like a Conan and O'Brien recap show and a Conan and... The Highlander cartoon show? Oh, that? Dude. dude, that one ruled. Yeah. Freaking... Uh, and all right, we can't we can't advertise for other shows, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and and by your favorite cartoon shows, we mean our favorite cartoon shows. Yeah. You can get your own podcast.